We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Timeline is a Blue Wire podcast. Not only should he want out, I think that Devin Booker should arrange to have himself killed. It's just absolutely horrible what this brother has been subjected to. If I'm Devin Booker, I want to get the hell up out of there. Get my man out of Phoenix. It's not good for him. It's not good for his career. I'd like to see Booker on an ascending team. Can he become the leading scorer on a playoff caliber team? You know, that playoff atmosphere is something I want to be a part of. So, you know, I'm going to try to do everything in my power to get there. They are 3-0 in the bubble and causing all kinds of disruption. Booker, this is for the win. Got it. Wow. The Suns beat the Thunder to improve to 6-0. They are the only undefeated team remaining in the bubble. What is this team's potential and how far can they go realistically? Realistically, champions. It's just been an unreal ride. Nobody believed we'd come here and go 8-0 and beat the teams we beat. You get a guy like Devin Booker who's that special, then it's just about how do you put the right pieces around this to get the most out of this dude, and now we're seeing that. Phoenix agreeing to a deal with OKC to get Chris Paul. They now add a veteran star alongside their young core of Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Devin Booker had everything to do with why I came to Phoenix. For the first time since 2010, the Phoenix Suns are headed to the NBA playoffs. Everything we want's on the other side of hard. This is our hard, and we're going to find out who we are. Timeline of Phoenix Suns podcast. The playoffs are finally here, and we are here to help preview that for you. My name is Mike. I'm here with Sam. Sam, how are you? Are you ready? Are you ready, <laughs> man? So. This this is three years in the making for us. I mean, it's ten years in the making for us as Suns fans. But mm-hmm. this is it. Like, yeah. How, how fitting is it that the playoff? Uh, the playoff streak or the the playoff drought started with the Lakers beating the Suns in the playoffs, and now the team that the Suns are going to play in the playoffs is the Lakers uh, to to end that drought. It's just sort of a cap at the it, beginning. It was kind of destiny the whole time. It probably is annoyingly poetic um, to whatever basketball gods up there uh, decided that that would be our fate. Uh, fuck you, because <laughs> I I don't want to play this team in the first round. However, uh, this this is who we drew, and you know what. 
we're going to talk about how to beat them because it's it's definitely possible. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's an interesting it's an interesting matchup for a lot of reasons and I think there's a lot to talk about with what the Suns could do and what the Lakers could do and we're going to get into that. But before we do that, I just want to just quickly acknowledge how crazy of a ride that the Phoenix Suns took us on from the bubble until now. Uh the this the last time the Suns this is a good way to look at it. The last time the Suns needed to win every single game in order to to advance they did. They won 8-0. and That was in the bubble. And that was just insane. I mean, that was as fun as it had gotten for Suns fans at that time. And then James Jones in the offseason makes massive moves and sets up the Suns to have the second best record in the NBA and now are going into the playoffs. Like a first round matchup against the Lakers was always a possibility. But I think if anyone had predicted that at the beginning of the season, the seeds would have been exactly flipped. The yeah. Suns would have been the seventh and the Lakers would have been the second but instead here we are really insane an amazing achievement by the suns and an exciting ride for suns fans the the thing i keep coming back to i guess is how much uh energy we've spent on defending devin booker (laughs) for 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 five and a half years Mm -hmm. and now we get to see it you know like there's there's a lot of people here who who suns fans are are super attached to on this roster but none more so than booker and yeah, it's it's sink or swim time. It's it's really exciting. It's also really nerve wracking, and I I just I can't believe that we're like we're two days away, we're two days away from it starting. And uh, j- just so you guys know, I I've announced this on Twitter, but I don't know if I've we've said it on the pod yet. We're doing pods after every game, so yeah. uh, we're we're coming to you here on a Thursday night slash maybe Friday morning whenever you're listening to this, and uh, we don't usually release in the middle of the week, but we felt we had to because we had to we had to preview this game. It's it's huge this series. But mm-hmm. then Sunday, uh, you, you'll get a pod after that game. You'll get a game uh, a pod after Tuesday, Thursday night, uh, the the following Sunday. We're just we're gonna th- we'll probably make them a little bit shorter so that they're a little bit more digestible. But but yeah, it's it's something new for us and. Yeah, we have to ascend to a new level, Mike. Like we, <laughs> this, they haven't. <laughs> we're in the playoffs. We're in the too. playoffs too. They haven't even seen our final form yet, so we got to step up too. Yeah, it's a really cool thing. You know, I'm I'm going to the first game. By the way, we haven't talked about that yet. Uh, I got tickets. Not great tickets, but I just wanted to be in the building for the loyal fan seats, as um, yeah, Book's brother would say. Yeah, exactly. Loyal. F- I'm in. I'm in one of the loyal fan broke fan seats. Um, <laughs> You know, it, it, it is just one of those things. I never got to go. I went to a lot of Steve Nash games. I got to go to a lot of games, but um, I was I was pretty young during that time, so I didn't have uh, the, any any way to get into a playoff game at that time. So I just thought, now I have to go. I, so I'm going to the first game, so I'll be able to, after that game, come back and talk about the environment, talk about the inv- atmosphere and um, the energy. I will, I will mention, too, you know, there's going to be quite a bit of fans in there. I think it's over eight thousand. I think it's. I think it's like eighty six hundred. I thought it was over ten at this point. Was I don't know. I, don't yeah, know. I haven't seen the final numbers. It's all I know is uh, uh, I'm not going to be there, obviously. But it's it's going to be pretty loud from from what I. It was pretty interesting to watch the play-in games, the ones that have happened so far. There's still two final games that that are going to decide the who the eight seeds uh, play in the East and the West. Uh, we're recording Thursday at around noon, uh, but. Watching those, it, it appeared that home court advantage mattered in those games. I mean, obviously, the better team had a home court advantage, so they were better. But, I mean, the home court seemed like it helped. And, and going into the series, the fact that there's going to be a pretty significant amount of fans there, hopefully a large majority Suns fans, I would think at this point that that would be the most uh, likely I really scenario. hope so. <laughs> I I'm really hope that they're, so. I'm I'm happy that the Suns have home court advantage in this specific series because if you're going at the Lakers, obviously, everything has to go your way to beat them. I mean, I don't think it's hyperbole to say that this might be the toughest first-round matchup for a second seed ever. Well, you know, I don't want to go back and look at it. The Vegas odds reflect that. This is the first time that the seventh seed is favored over the two seed if you look at the odds. Um, And I've seen that in a couple different... Easy money from Lakers In a couple different places. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they're going to make a lot uh, from Lakers fans there if the Suns end up pulling it out because, um, yeah, Lakers fans are going to bet this on that. This team is 27-9 think- at home in the regular season this year. They're actually, yeah, they're not, yeah. sorry, I had to look up the standings when you were mentioning the home court advantage thing. They're not, mm-hmm. they were really good on the road. They're 24-12. and 12. 
Um, yeah. The Lakers yeah. were. Here's the thing about the Lakers. We're going to talk about the Lakers this entire episode. We're going to bring up a lot of regular season stats, I assume. Like, I just, I kind of naturally just throw them out there as, as a force of habit. I don't think they really mean anything for this one team, uh, right? Yeah. Like like any other team that you're going yeah. up against, we all know the regular season is different than the playoffs. Suns fans, we haven't been in the playoffs for a while. We're not stupid. We still know the playoffs is a different beast. Most teams, though, you can take mm-hmm. lessons from the regular season and really learn something from the stats. The Lakers are the exception to the rule this year. With And you yeah. can tell with the way that they're being treated because objectively speaking, you look at the regular season stats, there is no reason that the Lakers should be favored in odds over Phoenix. They're not better at... Um, I think they have a, they have a better defensive rating technically by like a few spots, but they're not really better at anything. Everything else you look at, they they had a worse yeah. regular season. But that LeBron guy is uh, has has made it so that people do not want to bet against him, and I guess for good reason. Yeah, and he looked. It was interesting to watch them in that game. But yeah, I think to your point, when I was researching for this episode, I was taking a look at some stats, and then I just stopped. <laughs> Because they're just because like, they're like they, it's <laughs> just very mediocre, and they're bad. At a, they yeah, were bad. Also, at a lot does, of it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Now there is there is a point that uh, they haven't played together all that much, and it's not like this team is the exact same team. I as think last there year. are things. Some important pieces are gone. Rondo's gone. Rondo was an important piece to that team in the playoffs, in particular, where he played very very well, and he's been good for the Clippers yeah. so far since he got there. Um, it, even their even their center rotation was JaVale McGee and Dwight Howard, which at the beginning of the season was a meme, but ended up being a pretty valuable rotation for them specifically. Now, as the playoffs progressed, those guys played less and less and less, uh, culminating with AD starting in the finals at center and Dwight Howard basically sitting on the bench the majority of the time. But those guys still mattered early on in the playoffs. They had a nice rotation of guys who could defend and, and play well. Those guys are gone. And the fact that LeBron has logged very little minutes with Andre Drummond might matter. Uh, the fact that Anthony Davis has logged very little minutes in just in general, he, he's missed a lot of times, can matter. That's why they're in the seventh seed. But also, that might be something that could lean a little bit towards the Suns' advantage going into the series. Yeah, we've got, we've got all the the continuity in fact like so do you do you want to just dive into it um i want to ask mm-hmm. first did you did you watch a game last night i assume the answer is yes yes let's start there yeah, let's start there what was your yeah. impression of of that game and what did you take away from it were you convinced tor well yeah just what what did you take away from the game last night i think that's where we should start well a lot um just to start uh what what the it's because it's hard to learn anything from what the the Warriors do offensively. You know, obviously the Suns need to shoot well, and we're going to get into that. But uh, they have Steph, so <laughs> things just work differently yeah. when you have Steph. Like he comes around a screen, two guys come at him, he throws it to Draymond, who's wide open in space, and then they play make <laughs> from that position. That's just how yeah. it works. And it, it, like the Suns are not going to have that advantage. First of all, we don't have a Draymond. There's only one. And there's only one Steph, so that's just how it's going to look. Now, we there's don't, a chance we don't they need, do trap we don't need the Suns. We have a Sharich. We're fine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a, tran- there's a chance that they trap the Suns, and the Suns can, can learn a little bit from how they defended that because their rotations are interesting too, especially with Drummond on the court. Uh, but what I thought they did that was effective and with, I think, worse role players is the way that they defended uh, the Lakers. Is In a lot of ways, they dared them to shoot a lot of threes and they pack the paint with as much people as possible to try to stop Anthony Davis or LeBron James from getting to the rim. Obviously LeBron will continue to get to the rim. His burst was not quite the same. His ability to finish through contact was not quite the same. I don't know that that means anything. I know he tweaked his ankle a few days ago as well at the end of the season. Uh, so that just could be him coming back from that. It could just be him knocking a little bit of rust off after missing some games uh, but the fact that he was not quite able to get to the rim as easily as he normally does was something that stood out to me as well. But I think defensively, the Suns need to really co- kind of copy that game plan a little bit. And the fact that the Warriors were able to do it you know, without DeAndre Ayton, without Mikhail Bridges, without Jay Crowder, they, they have some defenders on the team, one of the greatest ever, in my opinion, in Draymond Green. But outside of that, the Suns kind of have better defensive players that they can use to sort of put that same game plan into place. Have you been able to watch it? Yeah, um, yeah, and and just to echo your point, this Lakers team, it's it's 
an incredibly vaunted defense that's just I think their defense is going to give the Suns fits in a lot of ways. Their offense, they're going to struggle. <laughs> their their offense is is struggling, and and of course, like I don't even know where to start. I guess do do you want to start by talking about like what the Lakers do on offense or or how the Suns should guard them on defense? Because I think it's a little bit of a different conversation depending on on where you start. Um, let's talk about what the Lakers do on offense. I'd like to hear your thoughts well, on that because I do. I think that defensive conversation is going to be well. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm not exactly. If we're starting there, I'm not going to say anything all that engaging. I think when I say that, like, just so much entirely rests on LeBron. That's why it's so interesting that you were just talking about. He looks a little a step slow because the supporting cast for the Lakers they they just can't pick it up. Like you look historically at teams. I I don't think. I'll say this, even in the modern era, I don't think you need to be the best three-point shooting team to win a title. I And I don't even think you need to be necessarily a great three-point shooting team to beat the Suns. We're not talking about winning a title right now. They just need to get by the Suns in the first round. But I do think you need to be a good three-point shooting team to, to make it far. Mm-hmm. And they're they're not. They're they're not even that. They're, like, by every metric. And I know we're, we're doing the thing now where I bring up regular season stats and we don't know if regular season stats matter. But I do think three-point shooting is one of those things that you can't really just turn on a switch and, and flip it on. Especially if you're KCP, especially if you're Wes Matthews, if you're if you're one of these role players who they're going to have to rely on to hit shots, they're not a good catch and shoot team. They're not a good pull up shooting team. Now, granted, the pull up shooting—that's where we talk more about. That's that's really falls on the shoulders of LeBron. It falls a little bit on the shoulders of AD uh, too. If you're talking about like mid range, but by any objective measure of shooting this year, the Lakers were bad. So their offense lives and dies right there with how well they're going to be able to get to the rim. And so that starts to define your strategy of how you're going to limit it. Obviously, you, you said already, you know, pack the paint and all. But but talking specifically about the things we can do, the angles we can give them, it's it's really right there. Yeah, I mean, that's sort of the way that you defend LeBron for the last 12 13 well since he got to the for NBA, sure 16 for years sure ago. but the, but the <laughs> difference mean, it's, just, it's just what you but do the difference is there were the lebron has had teams before that Cavs team the a couple of those Cavs teams okay the interesting thing about those Cavs teams a few years ago is that especially in the post uh blatt years the the last couple years um the Ty Lue years they weren't they weren't that good in the regular season either. They were also like kind of a yeah. mediocre regular season yeah. team. They were a great shooting team though. Between Kyrie and Kevin Love and and all the you know all the role players they had, they were a great shooting team. This Lakers team is I mean let me just let me just pull it up for you and go down the line like they are dead last. First of all, I tweeted this out earlier today. They are dead last in the NBA in their effective field goal percentage on all pull-up attempts. Not just three-pointers, but but mid-range pull-ups as well. The Suns, by contrast, are second in the NBA. It's a very it's 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 a very big gap between those two teams. That didn't stop the Lakers from winning a title last year because Anthony Davis, you know, became a 30 point per game threat who couldn't miss from mid-range and obviously LeBron did his thing. So I'm not saying they can't flip the switch in the playoffs again, but I mean, you just look at these three-point percentages here. You've got Ben McLemore is not going to play at 37%. The best guy they have is Alex Caruso. He's their well, no, sorry. They've got they've mm-hmm. got KCP 41%. Yeah. Alex Caruso who's a low volume three-point shooter, they've got a 40%. Then they've got Ben McLemore at 37%. He's one of their highest volume shooters at five and a half a game. He's not going to play in this series. Or if he is, he's only going to play very limited stints because he is the worst the, the thing about the Lakers, they're very big. We talk about all the time how big they are on the interior in their front court. But if you actually, if you scale it back a little bit, if you look at their, their wing depth, they're not that big at the three necessarily. And that's one of those positions where like McLemore has been able to play in the regular season, but he's not, this, this is really a good matchup for the Suns to take advantage of someone like him. If he sees the floor. So he's at 37%. I don't think he's going to play a ton. Kuzma's at 36. Schroeder's at 34. Wes Matthews is at 33 um THT is at 28% Anthony Davis is at 26% obviously Andre Drummond's not going to attempt a three you know their spacing up and down is it's it's not it's not that good um and especially Mm -hmm. you know again I want to make it clear like they could shoot only 35 36% from three throughout a series and still beat the Suns if they do the right other things but right a 
it gives the Suns an advantage from the get-go because we know the Suns are better than that. The Suns are a good shooting team. And I think also the thing the Suns don't get enough credit for is they're a dynamic shooting team and that they're not the Chris Paul, James Harden Rockets who only shoot threes. They pick their spots and they're dangerous from a lot of different spots. But beyond that, let's let's say for a second that the Lakers do get by the Suns. If we're just talking about the idea, you know, okay, the Lakers got by the Suns. Are they a real contender? Can the Lakers, who shot 35% from deep this year, really go toe-to-toe against the Clippers, who are one of the greatest three-point shooting teams of all time? Like, LeBron can be as good as he wants. AD can be as good as he wants. I I feel like they're still going to run into some trouble in the later rounds, even if they do get by Phoenix. So, like, just just to start there, their offense... They're working. LeBron's kind of working with a shit sandwich this year. Like, there's there's a lot of stuff that has to break right for their role players. I know we always talk about yeah. how LeBron's role players are not ideal, but this year more than any other year, it definitely feels like that to me, and it it makes them all the more vulnerable. Well, I think what is tough, especially for them, be even beyond that, is like in a lot of ways, like you can use LeBron as a screener, and you can do a lot of interesting things with LeBron as a screener. Uh, but you, it's tough to do that when Anthony Davis and Drummond are on the floor. So you're going to have to do that with AD at center. So LeBron's at power forward. And then who do you have running that pick and roll? You have Dennis Schroeder. You have Alex Caruso, which is like fine. Like that doesn't that doesn't really scare me as far as um, being a Suns fan and, and hoping the Suns are able to defend that because as as good as those guys are, neither of them are pull up three threats like you talked about. So you can you can guard you can go under if you even want to and just kind of dare them to shoot that. Uh, Schroeder can shoot from that mid range, but that's kind of like as far as picking your poison. Go ahead yeah. and do that. Like feel free to shoot Absolutely that mid range shot that. with Chris Paul in your face if you want to do that, and and that's actually good for the Suns. I want to get into some matchups because this is something that I've literally been thinking about this entire. <laughs> you know since 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 we and, even and, had and the people idea have been people have been happen. asking us about this for weeks right like anticipating this as a as a potential matchup so yeah yeah well like the the guy that pops into my head a lot is Mikael Bridges and it's for a lot of reasons i think Mikael Bridges usually like what the suns have been doing this year how they've been utilizing Mikael Bridges this year is almost entirely against primary ball handlers like he does guard wings and he has uh, good stretches against wings, but in a lot of ways, what the Suns want is Mikel harassing primary ball handlers up and down the court and making them a little bit uncomfortable. We saw him guard Steph Curry. We saw him guard Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum. Like he he guards point guards pretty often. So when you're looking at the Suns and you're looking at the matchup issues that they uh, the Lakers actually have against the Suns, Drummond is where it becomes interesting because what what you want to do is not concede offensive rebounds. That's literally all he's there to do. When Drummond knows that he's not going to get the ball very often, he's going to fight for those offensive rebounds. And that means that you can't really put someone small on him. So in my mind, and maybe you'll Interestingly, you, well, uh, yeah, keep going, keep going. You have to have DeAndre Ayton on him. And no, if you I have agree. to have DeAndre Ayton on him, you can't really put Mikael Bridges on Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis is just a little he's too, too big, big in that. Yeah. And now keep in mind that throughout all of this, you can have a lot of DeAndre Ayton helping off of Andre Drummond. I mean, that's just kind of what he has to do. He's a rim protector. He's going to help, especially because Drummond's never really going to be more than eight feet away from the rim. Like he's not exactly going to be spotting up at the three-point line. And if he wants to, let him do it. Uh, But in that case, then you have that. You really have to gang rebound, of course. That's going to be a main focus for the Suns. And I think the Suns actually got pretty good at that towards the end of the season. There was clearly an effort to gang rebound towards the end of the season. But then this all boils down to me saying that Mikhail has to guard LeBron James, basically. That's where that's where it breaks yeah. down. You can't really put Devin Booker on him. I mean, you can try, and maybe that's something that you do try at some point. You put Devin Booker on him, and you try and funnel him towards DeAndre Ayton, and then everyone just sort of boxes out on Andre Drummond. Uh, but... Mikel on LeBron. How do you feel well, about Well, so that? here's the thing. It's it's less about Mikel on LeBron, and it, it's which, for the record, like I think, yeah, they're going to have to do. They're at least going to start the series that way. But the interesting thing, the most interesting thing to me, is the role that Drummond plays in this series because Drummond poses a nightmare matchup problem for you, as you were talking about, on the offensive glass. However, he's the ideal guy you want to go up against when you're on offense. 
because he's the guy, especially if they if they plan on switching a heavy number of ball screens. I don't I don't know if they do. I, I think actually probably they don't. But regardless, if you can switch at all, if you can bait them into switching, that's the guy you can target when you're on offense, and he's going to be the best matchup for your guards to go against because he just doesn't have the foot mobility. So for the Lakers, it's like they – I mean, I'm almost more scared of them when they go to AD at the five. Um, I think those are going to be their best lineups because I think that is going to allow yeah. them to achieve their maximum potential – on the defensive end. I, I know we're not talking about the defensive end for them right now, but but that's just how it is. Um, to answer your question, I think Drummond is probably going to start at the five um, as uh, uh, to, to begin the series. And it mm-hmm. yes, it's going to lead to Jay Crowder has to guard Anthony Davis. Mikhail Bridges has to guard LeBron James. It's not the ideal matchup uh for the suns but but i think it's it's the best you can do and i think it's what they're going to do i think what we can talk about from there is what the pick and roll coverage should be because i've got definitely have um i definitely have a lot of ideas about that yeah uh one thing i will i will say uh i saw andrew wiggins block lebron james uh yesterday um so if this is the lebron if lebron james's athleticism remains where it's at right now Mikael Bridges guarding LeBron James is not the worst option. It's it's a pretty good option, I'd say, in that case. If LeBron James returns to form and just regains the ability to essentially go through anyone that isn't close to as strong as him, which Mikael, for as good as he is, he's not super strong, that's going to be a problem. That's going to be a tough cover, and you're going to have to have uh, well, a, a drop coverage with DeAndre Ayton just sort of in that position to to guard LeBron in that case, and Mikhail's going to have to do a lot basically once once LeBron goes by him because you rely on his arms in that case, right? You're relying on him to sort of break up passes. You're you're relying on him to recover to three point shooters to swipe at big men who catch the ball, and and that's just it's a lot. And and he's up for it, and I think he's going to do really well in this series in general. Especially, especially, I can't wait to talk about offense because he could both him and Aiton. Aiton could earn so much money based on what he does on the defensive end in this series. Mikhail could earn so much money based on what he does on on offense. It's it's really different roles for them. Um, Let's talk about pick and roll coverage. Uh, Okay, okay. So let's break it down this way. You've got you've got the four main simplifying a little bit, but you've got the four main ways of of guarding a pick and roll. Right. I'm thinking of a drop, a show, a blitz. Uh, or a switch, right? I Here's what I think. And I, I'm curious to hear, like I'll toss it to you at, at various points throughout this too. I think from the get-go, we can toss out two of those. Uh, and so drop coverage, I'll start there. Don't, I don't think that's viable. Uh, I Here's the thing. You want to wall up and protect the rim. And so there's a, there's a tendency to want to play a drop coverage. I just said the Lakers are like the worst pull-up shooting team ever. So you would think, well, why wouldn't you do a drop coverage? LeBron's just too good. He's he's too good as a playmaker where you can't concede the lane to him like that because if you do that, you're already you're already done. You know, this isn't like if you were playing Memphis in the playoffs, if, if we were the one seed and you were playing Memphis, you know, and, and you want to give Ja Morant, as an example, we've talked about him before, can't shoot a pull-up three. So you want to say, here, Ja, just just have the lane and we'll guard you at the rim and Aiton can absorb that contact. That's fine. That's one thing. But you can't give that lane to, to LeBron James. It's just, it's too much. He'll he'll be able to abuse it too easily and he'll get the shots that he wants at the rim all day. It doesn't matter if Aiton or anyone else is okay. there. That's, that's my opinion. What, what do you think I, about that first? I just, I, I don't know. I find that kind of interesting because in that case, you're, you're kind of, to me, you're picturing the the guy who's on, say, Mikael is on LeBron. You're picturing him going over the screen in that case, right? Because that's essentially conceding the lane. Because with LeBron, you could go under the screen and just dare him to shoot, and that means Mikael is still in you the could, lane, you could, able to guard. You in could, that but I think yes. So if it was a traditional drop coverage, and yeah, you have Mikael going over, and then Aiden drops back. But I think I think you could have him go under. I think there are even better things you can do though. So. So you want to show, I'm guessing. That's right? one of them. But uh, The other one I want to throw out right away, you can't blitz. Uh, for the same reason that... Te- too good of a yeah, passer. Yeah, too good of a passer. Teams don't... Like, when you watch the way that guards... Um, sorry, that teams guard the Suns, they blitz Devin Booker sometimes 
because they don't i mean honestly they they kind of hedge and trap him more often but sometimes they blitz him because they don't necessarily trust him as a ball handler as a passer to make the right reads they don't blitz chris paul and the reason they don't do that is because chris paul is going to find the right guy immediately his reactionary or get fouled yeah Yeah. or bait you into a foul his processing speed is just too fast and lebron's the same way you can't blitz lebron his processing speed is too fast uh you know ad's got those soft hands he'll find the pass to ad ad will put the ball on the floor like once and get to the rim and uh and it'll be over so that leaves you with with two options essentially either you can show and recover or you can switch and and this is where i start to think it gets into really interesting territory of like what's the secret weapon against the lakers that lakers fans don't want you to know about um showing is is a really good option the lakers traditionally you know you want them to hit the hit the guy in the short roll necessarily like you know they'll try to split if you show they'll try and split it and then you're forcing them to attack a three-on-two or a two-on-one, which is something that they've not necessarily been all that great. If you can just get the ball out of LeBron's hands, essentially. AD is good as a playmaker. I mean, he's solid as a playmaker. He's not He's not tremendous. You know, he's there, there are a lot of short... Probably. He's going to shoot. Yeah. There are short role playmakers who are a lot better than AD. And just in general, a lot of the guys are on that team. This goes back to what I was talking about at the beginning with they're not great shooters. They're not great at anything. Like a lot of the supporting guys on that cast, I you know, I hate to say it, but like if they have to attack a two on one or a three on two, as long as you can get the ball out of LeBron's hands in the first place, you live with that. So, so that's that option. But then the other option, which I think switching I think this could be a secret weapon for the Suns. I think there's a tendency for Suns fans, like, like think about this. We always talk about how we hope that other teams don't switch everything against us because, oh, then it's going to be difficult for the Suns. They're going to have to hit tough ISO shots, and, oh, we're not going to be able to do that on offense. It's going to ruin our offensive flow. Well, flip the script and do it to someone else. And specifically, the reason I think it could be this could be so successful against the Lakers is because this is secretly something that scares Lakers fans. Anthony Davis posts up a lot for a guy who's not that good of a post-up player. And right. I, and like sincerely, he's not that good of a post-up player. He's got it's it's kind of the DeAndre Ayton conundrum. He's a much at this stage of his career, much more talented offensive player than DeAndre Ayton. But he takes a lot of face-up 15, 18-foot jump shots. He he doesn't he he does tend to avoid contact in the post. You know, he's not just 270 pounds of brute force going at you like a Joel Embiid. But on the other hands of the spectrum, he's also not a, a just total next generation passing savant out of the post like a, like a Nikola Jokic. He's kind of, you know, he's good. And if you look at the data this year, it says that he's like relatively efficient. He's in like the 55th, 60th percentile or something, but it's nothing mind blowing in the post. You know, he's not going to punish that matchup every time. And beyond that, what a lot of teams have been doing is Anthony Davis gets the ball in the post. You go, you send help double Anthony Davis in the post because again it's all about get the ball out of the superstars hands and force the role players to adjust which is something that for the Lakers this year I, I've heard our friend Tim from he runs the b-ball index uh, and, a, and a blue wire podcast the, also the Lakers exceptionalism podcast um, with blue wire he is a Lakers fan and he has talked about this the role players on that team when Anthony Davis gets doubled in the post they do not make the proper and necessary adjustments to get into the right offensive flow so why do i want them to switch because the more you switch you might think oh i don't want chris paul to be matched up against anthony davis in the post when actually that might be exactly what you want you want to bait them into the comfort of giving anthony davis those posts up as soon as he does throw hard help at him get a second man over there make the right proper necessary rotations and you might be able to throw them off in a way that i think is uh is kind of underrated. I think either that or showing is going to be the way to go against this team. Well, I, I'll i tell you this just from my first reaction to that. I think that switching is better than showing only because I think you rely a lot on, on Aiton, I should say, uh, recovering. And when you're relying a lot on, on Aiton recovering, I think that's where you run into maybe one or two decisions too many uh, in that case. And if, if the Suns don't show the Suns don't show a lot like they don't play that t- style of defense a lot and agreed th- agreed yeah they tend to do that when like guards are screening for guards which is going to happen in a, fairness more in playoffs in fairness uh I, I i watch the suns more than any other team obviously but i kind of think every team runs a lot of drop in the regular season just because they can and then kind of gets rid of in the playoffs so i kind of feel like 
we're not the only ones. I, I don't know specifically if the Lakers have this problem, but when you say the Suns don't show a lot, we're not the only ones with that problem. Right. I think there are going to be a lot of teams that are going to have to sort of figure it out with schemes that they're not super comfortable with in the next week or so. Yeah, yeah. The only time I've really seen the Suns do it a lot is is when guards are screening for guards. Like the Suns will show on guards and run back because like Kawhi Leonard, for example, in the Clippers game was uh, having Rondo screen for him and then trying to get campaign. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Or Chris Paul essentially on Kawhi, and the Suns would just show and retreat back to keep Mikael Bridges on Kawhi. Uh, and that's really the only time that I've seen them do anything like that. Now, they can they do it? Maybe. Like here, Here's the thing. is I, I trust a lot of the other guys to do that that have been in the NBA longer than DeAndre Ayton. It's not really his fault. It's just until we've seen DeAndre Ayton do that and do that well, it's tough for me to believe that that's something that's just going to be in his arsenal automatically uh, going forward. So that's that's going to be interesting to see because at, at first thought, switching is probably going to be the right the right thing to do. Let's take a quick break and let's come back and we'll continue this conversation. Uh, we're going to have to talk about offense at some point too. We'll be right back. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. All right, so we talked about how some options, I think, for the Suns to defend uh, the Lakers, and I think that's going to be pretty interesting because I think you've made some good points there. I just want to quickly point out, I think that a drop coverage kind of works against the Lakers in ways that maybe you don't. So uh, you're right that I think ultimately in a lot of cases, switching matters a lot in the playoffs, and I think the Suns will use a lot of switching. I just think that DeAndre has gotten fairly good at that specific style of drop coverage that works against teams that don't hit a lot of jump shots. Now, something he that has. We, you know, something we didn't talk about too. In fact, it's a stat that you have brought up a few times, and I wonder if you have it here. Anthony Davis's shooting last year in their run to the finals oh, was like yeah. it, it was way better than it normally had been. And 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 that and that's the thing. Like Anthony Davis, you look at his regular season runs for the past several years, has been not that good of a mid range shooter. Like thirty six percent is around where he runs in the regular season. You're happy to have him take that shot. But then in the playoffs last year, he ballooned up over 50%. And so it makes you think, was that an aberration? Or does he really have that other mode in him? You know, the playoffs is an entirely different game. The logical part of me wants to say, well, we've got a sample size here of, you know, statistics, yada, yada, yada. Several hundred shots that says he shouldn't be this good of a shooter. But it unfortunately, in the playoffs, it doesn't always work like that. There's kind of a, there there is an, uh, like, not a clutch gene exactly, but you know what I mean, like... When you're playing with LeBron, he finds a way to get the best, the, the absolute best stuff out of you. It, and that's why, you know, I, I've invested a lot of energy into researching the role players on the Lakers and, and just kind of thinking to myself, wow, these guys sort of suck. But also, 
once it's the playoffs, they know that it's an entirely new game. It's an entirely new challenge for them. They're, they are on a mission to get LeBron his fifth ring. And so it makes me wonder, like, maybe Wes Matthews, Alex Caruso start shooting 45% from deep. Anthony Davis starts hitting all his mid-range shots. If that stuff happens, it's it's completely changes the calculus for what this series looks like, unfortunately. And it should be noted that they're open more when LeBron James plays. Uh, so the shots are going to be more open when he's on the floor. You know, hopefully. Can I just say quickly, though, about the drop coverage thing that you were saying? Yeah. Because I know this scares you, and I wonder if you thought about it. Aren't you worried that if you concede that lane to LeBron and, and Mikhail, say he goes under, but he can't cut him off in time anyway, aren't you worried about the, the officiating? Like, if you've got yeah. a lot of contact, yeah. if you've got a lot of contact for two reasons. One, you don't want DA to get in foul trouble because he's all you've got. But also just the Lakers are going to get more of those calls than the Suns in this series. So you want to limit their rim attempts where you can. And so I feel like a drop coverage, you're just saying, here, take it. And that's not what I want to do. Yeah, I, you know, that's a, that's a really good point. I just don't know that you can completely game plan for that, you know, because that's going to happen no matter what. So, yeah, but that is a good point. Because the more shots you take in that sort of restricted area, the more likely you are to get fouled. And if, if, they're, if you're giving that to them, then they're going to get more free throws. I just... I guess I just trust the duo of Mikael Bridges and DeAndre Ayton at this point. Look, I'm not – it's LeBron James. Like, I'm not going to say that they're going to do anything to completely shut him down. I just think that they have gotten pretty good at that. Their chemistry in that style of pick-and-roll defense has gotten good enough that I it, it worries me a little bit to, to, to try and debut something like some sort of hedging on defense because I just – look – we said this at the beginning of the year, and I still think it's the case. The best possible scenario for most teams is that they're putting DeAndre in, in a situation to make a lot of decisions on offense and on defense. And the Suns, you know, opposite of that, want to put him in a scenario where he knows exactly what he should be doing on every single possession. And that's, in a lot of cases, that's going to be the drop defense. Look, I think he's still good at switching, and I think the switching, switching. could work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. but uh, but I'm just worried about that. And it's possible that they they do that, and it's something that they've worked on a ton behind the scenes, and that he's going to be fully prepared for it, and maybe it will go well. I just I have some concerns, I guess, when I when I think about it. So that's just what I'm worried about. We should talk about offense though, uh, because I don't want to make this two hours long. <laughs> the Lakers have a really good defense, and look. LeBron James was very good at defense throughout the year before he was injured as well. So the the defense was good without him, and I think it gets even better when he's on the court and he's defending as well. So the Suns are going to have a challenge really trying to score on that defense throughout this time. Now, their defense against the Lakers is going to matter a lot, as it does in the playoffs. Defense matters a lot. But I think they're going to have a lot of challenges scoring on this Lakers team, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, th- this defense, uh, they're legit. They're legit. Just between Anthony Davis's rim protection, between um, LeBron's kind of weak side help when, when he helps and, and recovers on plays, but also just the, the perimeter force of some of these guys. Uh, I was watching, you know, Caruso chase Curry around screens yesterday. He's really good. Um, KCP can get up in your face. Wes Matthews can get up in your face. They've got a lot of pieces that make for a top five defense. And, and so... Yeah, that's going to be tough. I think your saving grace, as I kind of hinted at before, is you hope that Frank Vogel plays Drummond as much as possible. Yeah. <laughs> because uh, I, I really think that's your best chance. And I really think the nightmare scenario for you is he decides, okay, we're going to give you 36 minutes a game of Anthony Davis at the five. And that's where it becomes very difficult. And they start switching everything um, and, and could give someone like Chris Paul or Devin Booker fits. I, I don't know. There, there's The idea of them switching is kind of an interesting thing to me because... If you can get Anthony Davis all the way out there on the perimeter, it's not the worst scenario. Like, like of course, he's good at chasing you to the rim and defending the shot. But the, you also have the likelihood of, of drawing fouls in that scenario. Chris Paul loves when people switch on him. Obviously, he's going to take a lot of jump shots with any big that guards him, including Anthony Davis. Uh, you know, they're switching. It's not the same to me as, like, the Clippers. I'm more afraid of the way that the, the Clippers switch. Like, I'm... I'm I think the style of defense that they can play with Anthony Davis sort of being that sort of help defender is a scarier thing to me than them switching on every single possession. Now, what the Suns should do, if they start with Drummond, which I think they will because Anthony Davis wants to play with the center and and they moved mountains to get Anthony Davis on their team. So they're going to probably start with Drummond. 
is just try to attack that as much as possible up front. Because if you're attacking that as much as possible up front, you're getting Drummond into space. And if you can load up the weak side with whoever Anthony Davis is guarding and try to attack Drummond on the strong side with the ball, so Anthony Davis is not quite in help position, he's in rebounding position, but not quite in help position, then you can potentially, well, get him in foul trouble, uh, get to the rim relatively easy because you're forcing Drummond out into space, get those mid-range shots off where there is sort of a soft spot in the defense in that general yeah. area. And then at that point, you could get Drummond off the floor and then you can get DeAndre Ayton on Anthony Davis, Jay Crowder on LeBron James and Mikhail Bridges in more of a ball-pestering help defense position because of how unique they are in that their main ball handler right. is a three or a four in that scenario. Uh, or even um, or even Montrez too. If he comes into the game, you know he's not like Vogel has gone away from yeah. Gasol. Um, so Gasol is actually the guy. He's obviously not athletic at this stage in his career, but he's the guy who I'd be worried about Vogel like falling back in love with and realizing, oh, this guy's actually really defensively solid. He can he can be our backup to Drummond. I think he would give the Suns a lot more issues than Trez, um, for instance. Or or uh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a good point. I think what the Suns need to do offensively. And this is really, really, really important. And it should be clear at this point is play point five offense. Now <laughs> and, and look, I think that's something like well yeah. Of what's course what's that again? Can it, you can you explain it to me? Yes. It's making a decision very fast. And Monty calls it playing with pace. And when Monty says playing with pace, he's not referring to playing in transition. What he's referring to is making quick decisions with the ball. And I think the Suns did get away from that a little bit towards the end of the season. In that, if they if they got a mismatch, they would back it up and they would try to attack that mismatch. Now, Chris Paul should always be allowed to do that. Devin Booker, in some cases, should also be allowed to do that, especially if it's Wes Matthews. In my opinion, he tends to just he's good against Wes Matthews. But what I don't want is other guys trying to slow it down and attack the defense in ways that could not lead to drawing fouls. Because what I think is going to be really important in this series specifically is the amount of free throws that Devin Booker takes. Is he going to get every call? No, he's not going to get every call. This is against the Lakers. It's also the playoffs. The refs tend to let fouls go. We already saw it in the play-in. It's going to happen even more against the Lakers once the playoffs actually start. But can Devin Booker get Anthony Davis off of his feet and jump into him? Yeah. This might be the last season ever that you're allowed to just jump into defenders when they're midair and get a get free throws out of it. This because they're planning on changing it at the end of the season. They need really to take according a, to I didn't see that. Yeah, that's, that's sort of, um, mm-hmm, something that they said they're going to look at. That's great news. I, I really yeah. hope they do because yeah. that sucks. Yeah. I, like I hate it when our guys do it. I hate it when other teams do it. Yeah, but right now they're it's a tool that you got to use. Sure, right yeah. now do it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a whatever. tool that you have to use. Chris Paul is going to do his five rip throughs a game, and he's you know let's, you got to do what you got to do. Yeah, Chris Paul <laughs> plays. He, you got to give Chris Paul some space. Otherwise, if you put a hand on him, he's going to get a foul from it. Uh, but yeah, I think it's going to be important for Devin Booker to attack with the proper pace. That means catching it and going or catching it and shooting or catching it and passing. You know, none of this sort of backing up and giving the defense time to sort of get in the right positioning to defend him with the help defense. Because if he goes, I think he can get the Lakers out of position and he can get, you know, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, maybe some games 13, 14 free throws out of it like he did against the Lakers towards the end of the season with everyone back including DeAndre Ayton, that's a nice recipe, I think, to, to, to score the right amount of points to beat this team. Yeah, he's going to have to because I can tell you right now, LeBron's going to be getting his 12, 13, 14 free throws yeah. uh, on the other end. So you'd like to match it in any way you can. I do feel like you don't want Mikhail Bridges, I guess just to dispute what you were saying a little bit, you don't want Mikhail Bridges to like slow the pace down and, you know, attack mismatches exactly like like you don't want him to be a focal point of the offense but i think you do want to give him the freedom like if they're really pressuring booker around the screen and he has to throw a quick pass out to mikhail bridges and mikhail bridges has a small on him you know there there are going to be certain opportunities in this series where where mikhail is is going to be a guy who i think can feast 
And what we know about Mikhail, unfortunately, I've talked about this ad nauseum already. I, in the future, I want him to get to a point where he's really embracing contact at the rim because I think that's how he achieves his full evolution. That's how he becomes like a star offensive player. Mm-hmm. But in the meantime, what we know he's going to do, Mikhail's uh, more than happy to put the ball on the floor against a guy who's a, a couple inches shorter than him, but he's going to stop short of the rim. He's going to rise up for that 12 or 15 foot mid-range shot. You let him have it because he's pretty good at it. And I think you live with offense like that if you can get it. Oh, well, in those cases, he has to do that. But one thing that Mikhail doesn't do is hesitate on those. He catches yeah, that's it. that's true. If he's open, he shoots, he shoots it. If he if right. the closeout is too close, he's not going to get an open shot. He immediately attacks the closeout. Right. It, it comes back to the processing speed yeah. uh, thing again. Mikhail, is a, he's, a, he's not a perfect offensive player yet by any stretch. But all of... All of these Suns players, they're very dynamic in their decision-making, really. that's They wouldn't have gotten this far. And I think it's important to note also, the the easiest way that the Lakers... We were talking about defense earlier. The easiest way that the Lakers generated offense yesterday, the way they got the game back is they played really good defense. They were swarming everywhere, but they, they forced the Warriors to turn the ball over. And they got several straight steals in mm-hmm. a row. And they turned that into like a 10-0 run or mm-hmm. whatever, and they were back in the game. Yeah. The Suns... Uh, I'm not saying that the Suns won't be bothered by additional ball pressure, but in general, what we know about the Suns, like they're one of the only teams I've ever seen that will routinely have games of 30 plus assists to like four turnovers. Yeah, like this team does that all the time. They're they're one. They have one of the best assist turnover ratios of the past 20 years of any NBA team. So with Chris Paul being the guy at the helm, you feel pretty comfortable that. A, you know, he's going to take care of the ball as he needs to. But but B, the thing you don't want to do, the worst possible thing, I think you can live with some bad shots being taken on offense. You can live with some questionable mid-range twos that maybe aren't like the ideal efficient shot. What you can't live with in this series is turnovers. That's going to be the quickest thing that kills you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I mean, there is there any team better than a LeBron team in transition? Maybe the 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 dynastic warriors the best warriors team uh that's the only one that i can really think of you know actually the jazz are pretty good at it this year too but with with that it's going to be there's different tactics because right we talked about what i think they should do when drummond's on the court they should try to find ways to uh, make drummond defend you essentially and force him into the decision making position that teams are likely going to force deandre Ayton into that's that's kind of how you play defense right you make the big try and defend in space they it's tough for a lot of bigs to do that if he is off the floor, once he is off the floor, if you can try to attack with as much pace as possible in that case, like as soon as Drummond's off the floor, bring campaign in and even run. I a, love where this. I love where this is going. I was going to ask you this question. I'm glad you brought it up. Even run a three guard lineup because here's the thing. You, yes, you can't run. The, yes, you can't run the three guard lineup against slow down you're 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 sharing our secrets to any lakers fans that are spying on us right now (laughs) you can't run you can't run these are our secret recipes you can't have devin booker guarding lebron james but if lebron james is at the four well now now you can right you can have devin booker guarding wesley matthews that's fine you can have him i like it yeah and then, then I like it. Then you really just try and blitz them with ball handling. Say they trap, then well, you have campaign. They, then you have Chris Paul. Say they they try and double Chris Paul, then you have campaign attacking Anthony Davis at the rim. This is what you need to do. You need to go all think about out it, in like, blitz. Like everyone, exactly. Everyone has said to this point, like, "Oh, we're such a bad matchup with the Lakers. They have so much size. Uh, they're gonna out rebound us the entire series." You know, but it's like, okay, if they're gonna out rebound you anyway. Play to your strengths. You let's pick not, up the pace. You do not let's let's have d- big. You do not beat big lineups by going big. You beat and, and, big and lineups even by for, going wait, wait, small. You have to even hit further shots. than that. You don't beat teams that are that have an entirely opposite strategy as you by trying to match them. No, this is why this is why the whole thing about like when Frank Kaminsky was starting earlier in the season, I was like, no, I want them to establish. It, look, if it's going to be Kaminsky, if it's going to be Jay Crowder, whoever, but you got to establish something as like your game. This is our brand of basketball, and this is what we're going to be in the playoffs. Force someone else to match us. Exactly. We don't have to match them. And so here, when we're talking about how do you apply that to this series specifically, I love the campaign thing. I love the three-guard lineup if you're going to do it. Like if you're not going to win the rebound battle anyway, like you said, you can't do it against Drummond. But if Drummond's off the floor, Anthony Davis at the five. Let's just have three really dynamic ball handlers. You can't trap all of them at the same time. Let's put the ball on the floor, play with pace. These are guys who can finish at the rim. They can hit pull-up threes, sort of, in Booker's case. They can hit mid-range shots. They, they can kind of do it 
everywhere and and pick their spots and and i think that really might be one of your best chances to to generate some offense i I just want to say you can do it with drummond on the floor if lebron is at the four you can't really do it with lebron at the three because then you have a guard guarding lebron essentially now they you know it depends on what the laker lineup is of course in this scenario but i just think you have to blitz them you have to play with pace you have to play and, and I'm saying it the way that Monty says it. I mean, in the half court, you cannot hesitate. You have to go get them on their the, on their back feet and, and try to get fouled in those cases. And in the case of campaign, he's so unpredictable with the ball. He can get the ball up off the backboard so quickly. You can get those layups. And then, of course, if they go under on the screens, he's going to shoot that pull-up three. And campaign, I just, he's going to be so vital in this series in particular because in a lot of cases, he's going to be playing minutes without LeBron on the floor. And look, the Suns have to win the minutes with LeBron on the floor to win the series. Whoa, 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 wait. That's a great point. And I can't believe, what are we, 45 minutes in? We haven't talked about it. Yeah. Look, but I just, everyone, everyone, every, wait, wait, wait. everyone says don't bet against LeBron. Mm-hmm. When we talk about what's different this year, LeBron played 35 minutes last night. He was on a minutes restriction. Jeff Van Gundy said that a million times. <laughs> he played, he played, but he, you know what I mean? He played 35 minutes yeah. last night. Yeah. He averaged. A couple years ago, last time he was in the finals with with um, Cleveland before LA, he used to average forty two minutes per game in the playoffs. He's not. I don't think he's doing that this year, Mike. I don't think he is. I think he might get above thirty five. I think he might play thirty six, thirty seven, thirty eight minutes per game in the playoffs. But that's a far cry from forty two when we talk about every single minute mattering. And so all the more importance that like, I know I know we say like which regular season stats matter versus which regular season stats don't matter. Well, here's one that I think does matter when you look at the Lakers. When LeBron and AD are on the court together in the regular season, they were a plus 11.2. When it was nice. just LeBron, plus 11.2, really good. When it was just LeBron, no AD, they were still a plus 7.8. When it was just AD and no LeBron, minus 1.8. Mm. Anthony Davis, for as good as he is as a finisher, as a fantastic defender, like he gives your defense just this tremendous identity, he's not the playmaker. He's not the dynamic offensive player who can really carry an offense by himself. So the difference between LeBron James being off the floor for only four minutes, like he used to back in the Miami days in an entire game, versus having him off the floor for almost an entire quarter, which might be what it is now, that's huge. That's huge, and you can really hugely win that quarter with stuff like campaign minutes, stuff mm-hmm. like uh, you, you know even Dario Sharge minutes, Cam Johnson minutes. If those guys continue to play the way they've been playing all season long, they can blow out the Lakers in those minutes. You know, I can easily see a situation, honestly, where it's like Devin Booker, Chris Paul finish a game. You know, those guys are like a minus four, a minus five, but campaign is a plus ten in fifteen minutes, and that's why the Suns win the game. Yeah. I could I could see that happening. Uh, absolutely. And that's why uh, it's important for him to get the proper looks that he's been getting. I mean, he, uh, this last few weeks of the season, not that that ever matters, to be honest, but the last few weeks of the season, he's looked as good as he's ever looked. Like, he, he obviously had his career high in multiple games at 20 or close to 20 points plus. Uh, and, and that's what we need. That's what we're going to need from him because, look, the guard rotation is going to shrink. I wouldn't be surprised if Javon Carter doesn't get minutes until someone's in foul trouble in this series entirely. And that that includes Langston Galloway. That includes Etuan Moore. Whoever you want to say of that backup guard group, it's likely going to be a three-guard rotation of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and Cameron Payne, as it should be because we've seen Chris Paul and Cameron Payne can play together. They looked really good towards the end of the season. We know that Chris or that Cameron Payne and Devin Booker look good together because that's been good the entire year. In fact, some of the best lineups the Suns have are those lineups. So we'll see how that looks. And I wouldn't be surprised. Like I said, Javon Carter out of the lineup, those Cameron Payne minutes are going to be really, really, really important. And like I said, you got to maximize them. That means the three guard rotations when you can put all three of those guys in. Look, I know you need wing defenders against this team. But if you can find time to run that three-guard rotation, I really think the extra ball handling, what the Lakers don't have, like what you were describing, by the way, with Anthony Davis on the court without LeBron, what they're missing is a playmaker. They're missing really, really, really good playmaking that they had with Rondo. Right, even a Rondo Rondo over Schroeder would have helped in that situation. You're absolutely right. Yes, Schroeder just does not have the the decision-making skills of a LeBron James. Nobody has that. Maybe Chris Paul. And, you know, like, or even Rondo, who's one of those genius level playmakers as well. So, you know, I mean, even if LeBron, even if LeBron does get up to 40 minutes a game, the prospect of those other eight minutes being like 
I'm going up against Alex Caruso Schroeder in the backcourt. And then like, I mean, yeah, there's just, even with Anthony Davis, there's no way a lineup like that can scare me. It just can't. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I, sh- I know it's late in the podcast to mention this, but Monty Williams did say that uh, DeAndre Ayton, Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson are all going to play. The plan is for them to be healthy and ready to play uh, by game one, which should matter because as we talked about in our last episode with Kellen Olsen, Cameron Johnson was in a cast. Like We were already trying to make plans if, if for some reason he couldn't play. Um, so we'll see. I, I never really doubted the DeAndre Ayton thing. It just didn't I, you know, no injury was visible, so I think he's going to play as well. But those minutes are going to matter as well. We didn't even talk about Jay Crowder, how important Jay Crowder is going to be in this series as well. I mean, that should have been part of the defensive conversation earlier. But even his three-point shooting, because here's the other part. The Suns have to hit sh- shots. Like, they have to make threes to beat this team. You always do. Yes, you always do. But specifically, when the other team is not a great three-point shooting team, you have to win mm-hmm. that battle. Because they can, they're going to get yeah. more free throws, right? They might get more points in the paint. You can still beat that if you make more threes than them. The Suns have to win that three-point battle in this game. And that means open shots from guys like Jay Crowder, Cameron Johnson, Mikhail Bridges, obviously, need to go in. You know, it's something I actually saw Darius Basley say, interestingly enough. He talked about uh, SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander. He said that when you play with Shea, you know your role. You know exactly what your role is going to be. And something like that is powerful and I, I, you know, I was thinking about it as you talked about Mikhail Bridges and how he knows exactly what to do when he catches the ball. Just how important those superstars are <laughs> in doing what they need to do. Look, we didn't even talk about it. Chris Paul, Chris Paul has got to come out firing in a way that he normally doesn't. That means attacking that drum and mismatch from the beginning of the game if he can. Shooting shots if he has to. Look, if they're going to double and pass, but take those shots early if you have to. Devin Booker, we started the podcast talking about it. This is his test. This is his first test. We saw what he did in the bubble when everything was sort of on the line. The entire season was on the line, and he was great. But now he's got another chance to prove it. And and what he does and how good he is is the absolute ceiling of this team on offense. DeAndre Ayton defense, Mikhail Bridges defense, Devin Booker offense. That's how you reach the ceiling of this team. And, and, and what he does is going to be interesting. I talked about... We talked about drawing fouls. That's going to be important. The mid-range shot has to fall. Taking the threes when he has them. That's got to happen. Most importantly, get to the rim. Get to the rim because they're going to foul him if he gets there in a lot of cases. What do you think? I I hope I hope we got it in us. Like not just Booker. I hope everyone rises to the occasion because if they take can pull everyone. this off, it's going to take everyone. If they can pull this off, dude, send LeBron. Just think about it. You be the first team to send LeBron James home in the first round in two decades mm. just like just let that sit you know that's that's amazing it'd be amazing it the, really the, the 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 punch to lebron's legacy that chris paul can single-handedly not single-handedly it's gonna take the whole team but just the prospect of it is yeah. so exciting yeah. and 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 not to mention the fact that it's like if you can beat la the amount of confidence you go into in, in a second round series against Denver or Portland, no offense to either of those teams are good teams, but like if you beat LA, you're going in with a lot of confidence against Denver or Portland. How cool is it that Chris Paul and LeBron James are playing in the playoffs against each other, by the way? Uh, yeah. This late in their career, it's the first time they're ever matched up against each other. And by the way, Chris Paul is not exactly new to a difficult first round matchup, possibly the greatest first round series of all time was the Clippers versus the Spurs that Chris Paul ended with a game-winning layup. Last season as well, he took, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, who were nowhere near as good as the Suns this year, he took the Houston Rockets with James Harden to a seven-game series, and then they lost in seven. In no way would I... If the Suns end up losing this series, I would not necessarily consider that a disappointment if they lost in the first round, specifically to the Lakers. Now... That's, I'm not trying to hedge anything here. What I mean by that is I wouldn't consider it more disappointing than if they were to lose to the Lakers in the Western Conference Finals or whatever that is. This is the Lakers. Like This essentially is a Western Conference Finals matchup. It just so happens to be in the first round, and that's exciting. And when I say that, I just want to mention Chris Paul's not new to this. It's not something that's completely going to blow him away. So I'm not worried about him in any way. It's just up to him and how prepared they are and how much they prepare the rest of the guys on this team 
to be prepared for this kind of matchup. I'm excited to see it play out. I'll be honest. I'm not exactly. I have no predictions. Um, this is not a prediction. <sighs> I really think anyway. this is. I think this is cl- is as close as fifty fifty as it gets. Yeah. Uh, this that's really it's it's gonna be tough. It's gonna be tough, and uh, I'm so excited. But I'm also trying. Yeah, I have no predictions. Suns- <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to put anything out there. Enjoy this, Suns fans. People listening yeah. to this podcast, enjoy this. Look, hey, can I just say? There's a lot of shit out there, right? On wherever you are, Twitter, Reddit, whatever your the Suns world. online presence is, the world. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, I I don't mean it like that, but I mean like. Lakers, they're a big fan base. They talk a lot of garbage. So regardless of what happens, I said this on Twitter today, don't take the bait. Like, there's going to be a lot of bait. Don't take the bait. You, you want to go after You want to punch up on, like, some, you know, some national media member or whatever is, who's giving you garbage, sure. Like, you can do that. But, like, against, you know, against Legoat. 3,000, you know, 42 or whatever, who has like two followers on Twitter, it's not worth it. You know, some battles are not worth it. <laughs> Just let the guys do their talking <laughs> on the court and then I hope they've got it. I really do. Yeah. Take take some of the bait. <laughs> Just I don't know. No, 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 no. I, I, really, I really don't think so. I really think it's not Just worth it. Sarcastic. Hey, take, take some win the it. series first. Win the series first. <laughs> when you do, no, 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 no. Here's what you do is you bookmark the tweets. You win the series first. And then you quote the tweet with, "Oh, get the fuck out of here! Win a win a real ring, you know, not Look. a Disney ring, La Mickey, whatever. Yeah. You know, you want to do that, do that. But but win, you know, put up first. Yes, if if the Suns beat the Lakers, feel free to say that LeBron James is just tall Ricky Rubio. <laughs> we'll be back. After All right, game this one. is a good. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and then game two, and then game three, and hopefully game four, and then it's over in the Suns sweep. Thanks everyone for listening. Looking forward to the playoffs. Now, but one day I'll play in the NBA. Be drafted first. Okay, 13. But then I'll go on to drop 70 for the Suns. This boy crazy. Crazy. I'll take them to their first title. <laughs> making this a world sensation. The first black president's gonna want oh, it. Black president yeah. now. Heck, you'll want it. <laughs> Devin, you'll need to hit at least 80 for me to want that haircut. Keep drinking. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.